0: section 43 of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter 40 some are old in heart at 40 some are young at 80 margaret van eyck's heart was an evergreen she loved her young namesake with youthful ardor nor was this new sentiment a mere caprice she was quick at reading character and saw in margaret brant that which in one of her own sex goes far with an intelligent woman genuineness but besides her own sterling qualities margaret had from the first a potent ally in the old artists bosom human nature strange as it may appear to the unobservant our hearts warm more readily to those we have benefited than to our benefactors some of the greek philosophers noticed this but the british homer has stamped it in immortal lines i heard and thought how side by side we two had stemmed the battle's tide in many a well debated field where bertram's breast was philip's shield i thought on darien's deserts pale where death bestrides the evening gale how o'er my friend my cloak i threw and fenceless face the deadly dew i thought on quariana's cliff where rescued from our foundering skiff through the white breaker's wrath i bore exhausted bertram to the shore and when his side an arrow found i sucked the indians venomed wound these thoughts like torrents rushed along to sweep away my purpose strong observe this assassin's hand is stayed by memory not of benefits received but benefits conferred now margaret van eyck had been wonderfully kind to margaret brandt had broken through her own habits to go and see her had nursed her and soothed her and petted her and cured her more than all the medicine in the world so her heart opened to the recipient of her goodness and she loved her now far more tenderly than she had ever loved gerard though in truth it was purely out of regard for gerard she had visited her in the first instance when therefore she saw the roses on margaret's cheek and read the bit of parchment that had brought them there she gave up her own views without a murmur sweetheart said she i did desire he should stay in italy five or six years and come back rich and above all an artist but your happiness is before all and i see you cannot live without him so we must have him home as fast as may be ah madame you see my very thoughts and the young woman hung her head a moment and blushed but how to let him know Madame? that passes my skill he is gone to italy but what part i know not stay he named the cities he should visit florence was one and rome but then finally being a sensible girl she divined that a letter addressed my gerard italy might chance to miscarry and she looked imploringly at her friend for counsel you are come to the right place and at the right time said the old lady here was this hans membling with me to-day he is going to italy girl no later than next week to improve his hand he says not before it was needed i do assure you but how is he to find my gerard why he knows your gerard child they have supped here more than once and were like hand in glove now as his business is the same as gerard's he will visit the same places as gerard and soon or late he must fall in with him wherefore get you a long letter written and copy out this pardon into it and i'll answer for the messenger in six months at farthest gerard shall get it and when he shall get it then will he kiss it and put it in his bosom and come flying home what are you smiling at and now what makes your cheek so red and what you are smothering me for i cannot think yes happy days are coming to my little pearl meantime martin sat in the kitchen with the black jack before him and richt haines spinning beside him and wow but she pumped him that night this hans membling was an old pupil of jan van eyck and his sister he was a painter notwithstanding margaret's sneer and a good soul enough with one fault he loved the nipperkin cannikin and the brown bowl more than they deserve this singular pension kept him from amassing fortune and was the cause that he often came to margaret von Eyck for a meal and sometimes for a groat but this gave her a claim on him and she knew he would not trifle with any commission she should entrust to him the letter was duly written and left with margaret von Eyck, and the following week sure enough hans Membling returned from flanders margaret van eyck gave him the letter and a piece of gold towards his travelling expenses he seemed in a hurry to be off all the better said the old artist he will be the sooner in italy but as there are horses who burn and rage to start and after the first yarder to want the whip so all this hurry cooled into inaction when hans got as far as the principal hostelry of Turgo and saw two of his boon companions sitting in the bay window he went in for a parting glass with them but when he offered to pay they would not hear of it no he was going a long journey they would treat him everybody must treat him the landlord and all it resulted from this treatment that his tongue got as loose as if the wine had been oil and he confided to the convivial crew that he was going to show the italians how to paint next he sang his exploits in battle for he had handled a pike and his amorous successes with females not present to oppose their version of the incidents in short plenus remarum erat illuc de fluobat and among the miscellaneous matters that oozed out he must blab that he was entrusted with a letter to a townsman of theirs one gerard a good fellow he added you are all good fellows and to impress his eulogy slapped sybrandt on the back so heartily as to drive the breath out of his body sybrandt got round the table to avoid this muscular approval but listened to every word and learned for the first time that gerard was gone to italy however to make sure he affected to doubt it my brother gerard is never in italy ye lie ye cur roared hans taking instantly the irascible turn and not being clear enough to see that he who now sat opposite him was the same he had praised and hit when beside him if he is ten times your brother he is in italy what call you this there read me that superscription and he flung down a letter on the table Sybrent took it up and examined it gravely but eventually laid it down with the remark that he could not read however one of the company by some immense fortuity could read and proud of so rare an accomplishment took it and read it out to gerard Eliason of tergou these by the hand of the trusty hans membling with all speed tis excellently well writ said the reader examining every letter ay said hans bombastically and small wonder tis writ by a famous hand by margaret sister of jan van eyck Blessed and honoured be his memory she is an old friend of mine he is margaret van eyck miscellaneous hans then diverged into forty topics sybrandt stole out of the company and went in search of Cornelis. they put their heads together over the noose italy was an immense distance off if they could only keep him there keep him there nothing would keep him long from his margaret curse her said sybrandt why didn't she die when she was about it she die she would outlive the pest to vex us and Cornelis was wroth at her selfishness and not dying to oblige these two black sheep kept putting their heads together and tainting each other worse and worse till at last their corrupt hearts conceived a plan for keeping gerard in italy all his life and so securing his share of their father's substance but when they had planned it they were no nearer the execution for that required talent so iniquity came to a standstill but presently as if satan had come between the two heads and whispered into the right ear of one and the left of the other simultaneously they both burst out the burgomaster they went to gisbrecht von and he received them at once for the man who is under the torture of suspense catches eagerly at knowledge certainty is often painful but seldom like suspense intolerable you have news of gerard said he eagerly then they told about the letter and hans he listened with restless eye who writ the letter margaret von eich was the reply for they naturally thought the contents were by the same hand as the superscription are ye sure and he went to a drawer and drew out a paper written by margaret von eich while treating with the burg for her house was it writ like this yes tis the same writing said sybrandt boldly good and now what would ye of me said Girisbrandt with beating heart but a carelessness so well feigned that it staggered them they fumbled with their bonnets and stammered and spoke a word or two then hesitated and beat about the bush and let out by degrees that they wanted a letter written to say something that might keep gerard in italy and this letter they proposed to substitute in hans membling's wallet for the one he carried while these fumbled with their bonnets and their iniquity and facilitated between respect for a burgomaster and suspicion that this one was as great a rogue as themselves and somehow or other on their side against gerard pros and cons were coursing one another to and fro in the keen old man's spirit vengeance said let gerard come back and feel the weight of the law prudence said keep him a thousand miles off but then prudence said also why do dirty work on a doubtful chance why put it in the power of these two rogues to tarnish your name finally his strong persuasion that gerard was in possession of a secret by means of which he could wound him to the quick coupled with his caution found words thus it is my duty to aid the citizens that cannot write but for their matter i will not be responsible tell me then what shall i write something about this margaret ay ay that she is false that she is married to another i'll go bail nay Burger Master nay not for all the world cried sybrandt gerard would not believe it or but half and then he would come back to see no say that she is dead dead what at her age will he credit that sooner than the other why she was nearly dead so it is not to say a downright lie after all huh and you think that we'll keep him in italy we are sure of it are we not Cornelis? ay said Cornelis. our gerard will never leave italy now he is there it was always his dream to get there he would come back for his margaret but not for us what cares he for us he despises his own family always did this would be a bitter pill to him said the old hypocrite it will be for his good in the end replied the young one what avails famine wedding thirst said Cornelius. and the grief you are preparing for him so coolly isbrecht spoke sarcastically but tasted his own vengeance all the time oh a lie is not like a blow with a a axe it hacks no flesh and breaks no bones a curdle axe said sybrandt no nor even like a stroke with a cudgel and he shot a sly and venomed glance at the burgomaster's broken nose Gizbreck's face darkened with ire when this adder's tongue struck his wound but it told as intended the old man bristled with hate well said he tell me what to write for you and i must write it but take notice you bear the blame if aught turns amiss not the hand which writes but the tongue which dictates doth the deed the brothers assented warmly sneering within gisbrecht then drew his ink-horn towards him and laid the specimen of margaret von eyck's writing before him and made some inquiries as to the size and shape of the letter when an unlooked-for interruption occurred jorian cattell burst hastily into the room and looked vexed at not finding him alone thou seest i have matter on hand good fellow ay but this is grave i bring good news but tis not for every ear the burgher master rose and drew jorian aside into the embrasure of his deep window and then the brothers heard them converse in low but eager tones it ended by gisbrecht sending jorian out to saddle his mule he then addressed the black sheep with a sudden coldness that amazed them i prize the peace of households but this is not a thing to be done in a hurry we will see about it we will see but burgomaster the man will be gone it will be too late where is he at the hostelry drinking well keep him drinking we will see we will see and he sent them off discomfited to explain all this we must retrograde a step this very morning then margaret brandt at met jorian near her own door he passed her with a scowl this struck her and she remembered him stay said she yes it is the good man who saved him oh why have you not been near me since and why have you not come for the parchments was it not true about the hundred crowns jorian gave a snort but seeing her face that looked so candid began to think there might be some mistake he told her he had come and how he had been received alas said she i knew naught of this i lay at death's door she then invited him to follow her and took him into the garden and showed him the spot where the parchments were buried martin was for taking them up but i would not let him he put them there and i said none should move them but you who had earned them so well of him and me give me a spade cried jorian eagerly but stay no he is a suspicious man you are sure they are there still i will openly take the blame if human hand hath touched them then keep them but two hours more i prithee good margaret said jorian and ran off to the Stadthouse house of turgu a joyful man the burgomaster jogged along towards sevenbergen with jorian striding beside him giving him assurance that in an hour's time the missing parchments would be in his hand ah master said he lucky for us it wasn't a thief that took them not a thief not a thief what call you him then well saving your presence i call him a jackdaw this is jackdaw's work if ever there was take the thing you are least in need of and hide it that's a jackdaw i should know added jorian oracularly for i was brought up along with a Chuff! he and i were born the same year but he cut his teeth long before me and wow but my life was a burden for years all along of him if you had but a hole in your hose no bigger than a groat in went his beak like a gimlet. and for stealing gerard all over what he wanted least and any poor christian in the house wanted most that went first mother was a notable woman so if she did but look round away flew her thimble father lived by cord waning so about sunrise jack went diligently off with his awl his wax and his twine after that make your bread how you could one day i heard my mother tell to his face he was enough to corrupt half a dozen other children and he only cocked his eye at her and next minute away with the nursling's shoe off his very foot now this gerard is tarred with the same stick the parchments are no more use to him than a thimble or an awl to jack he took them out of pure mischief and hid them and you would never have found them but for me i believe you are right said gisbrecht and i have vexed myself more than need when they came to peter's gate he felt uneasy i wish it had been anywhere but here jorian reassured him the girl is honest and friendly said he she had nothing to do with taking them i'll be sworn and he led him into the garden there master if a face is to be believed here they lie and see the mould is loose he ran for a spade which was stuck up in the ground at some distance and soon went to work and uncovered a parchment gisbrecht saw it and thrust him aside and went down on his knees and tore it out of the hole his hands trembled and his face shone he threw out parchment after parchment and Urian dusted them and cleared them and shook them now when gisbrecht had thrown out a great many his face began to darken and lengthen and when he came to the last he put his hands to his temples and seemed to be all amazed what mystery lies here he gasped are fiends mocking me dig deeper there must be another jorian drove the spade in and threw out quantities of hard mould in vain and even while he dug his master's mood had changed treason treachery he cried you knew of this knew what master in heaven's name caitiff, you knew there was another one worth all these twice told tis false cried jorian made suspicious by the other's suspicion tis a trick to rob me of my hundred crowns oh i know you burgomaster, and jorian was ready to whimper a mellow voice fell on them both like oil upon the waves no good man it is not false nor yet is it quite true there was another parchment there 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 where is it but continued margaret calmly it was not a town record so you have gained your hundred crowns good man it was but a private deed between the burgomaster here and my grandfather Flor hush hush is brant where is a girl that is all we want to know have patience and i shall tell you gerard read the title of it and he said this is as much yours as the burgomaster's and he put it apart to read it with me at his leisure it is in the house then said the burgomaster recovering his calmness no sir said margaret gravely it is not then in a voice that faltered suddenly you hunted my poor Girard so hard and so close that you gave him no time to think of aught but his life and his grief the parchment was in his bosom and he hath ta'en it with him whither whither ask me no more sir what right is yours to question me thus it was for your sake good man i put force upon my heart and came out here and bore it to speak at all to this hard old man for when i think of the misery he has brought on him and me the sight of him is more than i can bear and she gave an involuntary shudder and went slowly in with her hand to her head crying bitterly remorse for the past and dread of the future the slow but as he now felt the inevitable future avarice and fear all tugged in one short moment at Gisbrecht's tough heart he hung his head and his arms fell listless by his sides a coarse chuckle made him start round and there stood martin wittenhagen leaning on his bow and sneering from ear to ear at sight of the man and his grinning face Gisbrecht's worst passions awoke ho attack him seize him traitor and thief cried he dog thou shalt pay for all martin without a word calmly thrust the duke's pardon under Gisbrecht's nose he looked and had not a word to say martin followed up his advantage the duke and i are soldiers he won't let you greasy burghers trample on an old comrade he bade me carry you a message too the duke send a message to me ay i told him of your masterful doings of your imprisoning gerard for loving a girl and says he tell him this is to be a king not a burghermaster i'll have no kings in holland but one bid him be more humble or i'll hang him at his own door kisbrek trembled he thought the duke capable of the deed as i hanged the burgomaster of thingamabob the duke could not mind which of you he had hung or in what part such trifles stick not in a soldier's memory but he was sure he had hanged one of you for grinding poor folk and i am the man to hang another quoth the good duke these repeated insults from so mean a man coupled with his invulnerability shielded as he was by the duke drove the choleric old man into a fit of impotent fury he shook his fist at the soldier and tried to threaten him but could not speak for the rage and mortification that choked him then he gave a sort of screech and coiled himself up in eye and form like a rattlesnake about to strike and spat furiously upon martin's doublet the thick-skinned soldier treated this ebullition with genuine contempt here's a venomous old toad he knows a kick from his foot would send him to his last home and he wants me to cheat the gallows but i have slain too many men in fair fight to lift limb against anything less than a man and this i count no man what is it in heaven's name an old goatskin bag full o rotten bones my mule my mule screamed Gisbreck. Yorian helped the old man up trembling in every joint once in the saddle he seemed to gather in a moment unnatural vigor and the figure that when flying to Turgo was truly weird-like and terrible so old and wizened the face so white and reverend the streaming hair so baleful the eye so fierce the fury which shook the bent frame that went spurring like mad while the quavering voice yelled i'll make their hearts ache i'll make their hearts ache i'll make their hearts ache i'll make their hearts ache, their hearts ache all of them all 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 the black sheep sat disconsolate amidst the convivial crew and eyed hans membling's wallet for more ease he had taken it off and flung it on the table how readily they could have slipped out that letter and put in another for the first time in their lives they were sorry they had not learned to write like their brother and now hans began to talk of going and the brothers agreed in a whisper to abandon their project for the time they had scarcely resolved this when d Rick brower stood suddenly in the doorway and gave them a wink they went out to him come to the burgomaster with all speed said he they found Gizbrecht seated at a table pale and agitated before him lay margaret von Eyck's handwriting i have written what you desired said he now for the superscription what were the words did ye see we cannot read said Cornelis. then is all this labour lost cried Gisbrecht angrily "Dolts! nay but said sybrandt i heard the words read and i have not lost them they were to gerard eliasen these by the hand of the trusty hans membling with all speed tis well now how was the letter folded how big was it longer than that one and not so long as this tis well where is he at the hostelry come then take you this groat and treat him then ask to see the letter and put this in place of it come to me with the other letter the brothers assented took the letter and went to the hostelry they had not been gone a minute when Dirick brower issued from the stadthouse and followed them he had his orders not to let them out of his sight till the true letter was in his master's hands he watched outside the hostelry he had not long to wait they came out almost immediately with downcast looks Dirick made up to them too late they cried too late he is gone gone how long scarce five minutes cursed chance you must go back to the burgomaster at once said Dirick Brower. to what end no matter come and he hurried them to the stadt house gisbrecht von Swieten was not the man to accept a defeat well said he on hearing the ill news suppose he is gone is he mounted no then what hinders you to come up with him but what avails coming up with him there are no hostelries on the road he is gone fool said gisbrecht is there no way of emptying a man's pockets but liquor and sleight of hand a meaning look that passed between gisbrecht and direk aided the brothers comprehension they changed colour and lost all zeal for the business no no we don't hate our brother we won't get ourselves hanged despite him said sybrandt that would be a fool's trick hangs cried Gisbrek. am i not the burgomaster how can ye be hanged i see how tis ye feared to tackle one man being two hearts of hair that ye are oh why cannot i be young again i'd do it single-handed the old man now threw off all disguise and showed them his heart was in this deed he then flattered and besought and jeered them alternately but he found no eloquence could move them to an action however dishonourable which was attended with danger at last he opened a drawer and showed them a pile of silver coins change but those letters for me he said and each of you shall thrust one hand into this drawer and take away as many of them as you can hold the effect was magical their eyes glittered with desire their whole bodies seemed to swell and rise into male energy swear it then said sybrandt i swear it no on the crucifix gisbrecht swore upon the crucifix the next minute the brothers were on the road in pursuit of hans membling they came in sight of him about two leagues from turgo but though they knew he had no weapon but his staff they were too prudent to venture on him in daylight so they fell back but being now three leagues and more from the town and on a grassy road sundown moon not yet up honest hans suddenly found himself attacked before and behind at once by men with uplifted knives who cried in loud though somewhat shaky voices stand and deliver the attack was so sudden and so well planned that hans was dismayed slay me not good fellows he cried i am but a poor man and ye shall have my all so be it then live but empty thy wallet there is naught in my wallet good friend but one letter that we shall see said Sybrandt, who was the one in front well it is a letter take it not from me i pray you tis worth nought and the good dame would fret that writ it there said sybrandt si take back thy letter and now empty thy pouch come i tarry not but by this time hans had recovered his confusion and from a certain flutter in sybrandt si and hard breathing of cornellis aided by an indescribable consciousness felt sure the pair he had to deal with were no heroes he pretended to fumble for his money then suddenly thrust his staff fiercely into sybrandt's face and drove him staggering and lent Cornelis a back-handed slash on the ear that sent him twirling like a weathercock in march then whirled his weapon over his head and danced about the road like a figure on spring shouting come on ye thieving loons come on it was a plain invitation yet they misunderstood it so utterly as to take to their heels with hans after them he shouting stop thieves and they howling with fear and pain as they ran end of section 43